0: This is Michael Easley in Context. For more information, go to michaelincontext.com. And now your host, Dr. Michael Easley.
1: This is Michael Easley in Context. Welcome to the broadcast today. We're with Tamara Alexander in studio. Thanks for coming in today.
0: Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's It's nice to be here.
1: Delight to have you. Tamara is the USA Today bestselling author of Rekindled. Revealed and Remembered, a critically acclaimed Fountain Creek Chronicles historical series with Bethany House Publishers. Her second series, Timber Ridge Reflections, From a Distance, Beyond This Moment, and Within My Heart, continue her signature style of drawing thought-provoking characters into poignant settings. Uh, Tamara, you started out <laughs> writing because you were driving in a car one day with your husband, and...
0: We were coming back from Texas from, from a road trip, and I've always loved reading, but his his mother had um, given me a copy of a book, and I had kind of looked at it, didn't care for it, didn't care for the cover. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did finally come around and read that novel. Um, oddly enough, it was after Claudette, um, my mother-in-law had passed away very suddenly, of of an aneurysm, mm. two or three months after that, I happened to cross that book. And she had asked me while she was alive, have you read it? Have you read it? Because okay. I think you will actually love it. And I never had, judging it by the cover. Um, sat down, though, after shortly after she had passed, I ran across the book again, sat down, read it, and absolutely loved it. It was just a simple love story, Michael. It was Love Comes Softly by Jeanette Oak. And uh, people might have seen the Hallmark movie now. Right. That's, that's pretty popular. Um, but I just, I loved it. And it showed me after all of my years of being raised as a student of the Word um, and been into the Bible through BSF and precepts, this simple love story gave me a view of God's unconditional love, a hands-on application mm-hmm. type mm-hmm. that just really moved me. Um, so I started reading everything Christian fiction I could find, which back then was like, you know, two shelves. Right. It was it was really not, not around then. This was 1995. Um, skip ahead two years later, yeah, and Joe and I are driving... Driving in a car on the way back from Texas, and um, and I and I finished a novel, and I turned to him and I said, I think I could write one of these. I think I could. I'm a business major, business right. marketing and management, you know, I, but I always love stories. So I thought, what are the odds of this happening? Probably <laughs> not very good, but, you know, you thought, well... I, how will I ever know if I don't if I don't try? Right. So, um, sat down. You know, it's a dark and stormy night. Snoopy, <laughs> Snoopy on at the, the Snoopy, yeah, at the typewriter. Um, and uh, you know, eventually, after my first book was rejected, and then I kind of put that one in in the in the drawer, so to speak.
1: How did that? How did your first rejection letter feel?
0: You know, it felt like a kick in the gut in a in a mm-hmm. certain sense. So when that rejection came, that old voice kind of rose up inside and said, "See." Sure. See, you know, mm. but thank God <laughs> through those years, um, he had put people in my life and I'd been to counselors and sought counseling for that. And he had healed me of so much of that. Mm. And really, I was able to differentiate between that voice and 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 really what the truth was and and honestly the truth was was i'd gotten to the to the third round of the pub board as they call it the publishing board before it was finally rejected so at that point i thought you know i thought you know so so you step back and you think wait a minute i got i got to the third round i got a long way Mm -hmm. just on the hey what if i tried this and so then i thought well what if i go back and really try um to learn about writing and how to craft a novel and um, learn how to how to write. Um, so that love of story then just kind of kept me at it. And um, so I took another two years still working outside the home and doing the soccer mom thing at this time. But my hours to write were 2 p.m. to 2 a.m. Because? That was life. I mean, I was, a I was raising a family, right? I was raising a family. And so as soon as the kids went down, that was kind of my time. And I could run on less sleep in those years. <laughs> Not quite as little anymore, um, but I could do that then. And so for the, for the next two years, then I, I wrote the next book, which would be Rekindled, which is my first published book.
1: Now, let's go back to um, your, your business and tr- marketing training. Yes. So you've got a paint-by-numbers approach.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: If if I do this, then this will follow.
0: Right, and that does not work well in writing a novel. Right. Um, now, there there are novelists who are um, plotters, as we call them, and then there are seat of the pantsers. I think my mentors were—I know they were—they were seat of the pantsers. Um, the you know the mentors, the writers that I really connected with er- earlier on. Um, but yet, everything else about my personality, about my approach to things, business approach, um, is very um, very analytical. Um, I love lists, planning, all that kind of stuff. Well and what I did for all those years before I started writing was corporate conference coordination for five and 6,000 people. I can coordinate a conference with one hand tied behind my mm-hmm. back because it's just, I'm just, I'm, I'm kind of wired that way. But writing has me, yes, writing though has me gripping the wheel in fear because truly I still, even after this, after my 10th novel, coming out, I still sometimes sit there and look at the laptop and think, I do know what I'm doing? Do I really know what I'm doing?
1: That's a spiritual life lesson for all of us, because I think we have certain strengths and wheelhouse we feel confident and comfortable in. Mm -hmm. But when we step out into something else, Mm -hmm. uh, maybe it's quote by faith. Maybe it's Mm -hmm. because we're taking a risk. It doesn't work the way Mm -mm. that thing that we have confidence in Mm-hmm. tends to work.
0: Mm-hmm. And that's so true. And at this time of my life, um, Joe and I were in a in a church in, in Colorado, and I remember we had been looking for a study to do on Wednesday nights, and we had decided upon Henry Blackaby's um, experiencing, experiencing God. Experiencing God. Mm-hmm. And one of the tenets, the seven tenets in that, was God is going to lead you to do something. If it is from God, He's going to lead you to do something that you're going to think, there is no way I can do this. And you and and you'll be right. There's no way you can do this without Him in you, and that's what God keeps reminding me in this in in the novel writing process. Is you know you're right. You cannot do this without Me and craft the stories that I want you to craft. And um, I'm anywhere from thirteen. 13 months to write a book. Um, My publishers would like them a little faster than that, but I'm just a a slow writer and the books are long. The books are longer and chock full of the Tennessee history and that type stuff. So
1: Let's talk a little bit about historical fiction Mm. because there are those of us that like novels and maybe we don't even differentiate between history books and historical fiction and Mm -hmm. pure fiction. Tell Mm -hmm. us a little bit about how you approach something from a historical fiction grid.
0: Mm, very good. I love history. I and I would pick up a history book. I I just devour history books. I love historical fiction in that and some historical fiction more more than others. And I'll just I'll use my own books as as examples. My sure. first seven books are color are based in Colorado Territory against a real Colorado history in you know that that burgeoning um, in the land and the growth and um, the mining towns and all you know the ranches and all that kind of stuff. But it doesn't necessarily have real people, real people who lived back there. So it's so it's against a backdrop of, okay. of history where the where the antebellum novels that I'm writing right now are antebellum mansion novels, Belle Meade and Belmont. They are against real backgrounds, real houses, and real people who lived populate the novels. So so to me, they both of those are historical fiction, but one of them is historical fiction taking it a lot closer to history and a little bit harder. Well, quite frankly, a lot harder to write because you're dealing with real personalities and real history that's not bendable. You You don't don't want want to to be a revisionist. You don't want to change history. No, you want to write the truth, and yet you're writing a fictional story on top of that.
1: Because you don't know all the details. You don't know
0: all, yeah, and people, honestly, people don't read historical fiction to read history per se. My readers always tell me, I love reading your books because I learned so much history. But they may not be the type of person who, you know, most people are not going to say, I'd love to read a history book.
1: When you write, are you writing for a woman? reader
0: my target market is 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 largely women Mm -hmm. I'm I'm always um, I do get some men and they say they are fans of Louis L'Amour they have long been Louis um, Mm L'Amour readers and they will pick up a book they say they won't read it on a plane because of the cover (laughs) which I don't that doesn't bother me at all I totally understand so
1: brown paper bags are for right right. or
0: or well now we have Kindles so it doesn't matter (laughs) there
1: you have it now you've got a new book a beauty so rare and uh, let's hear a little bit of you've got a beautiful website at TamaraAlexander.com, and let's hear a little bit of the YouTube piece, the promo piece that's done very well on your site.
0: It's such a time to be, it's such a time.
1: So your books, this one included, have set up kind of a cottage industry for these mansions, Mm -hmm. fans they want to come see.
0: They have, and that is very rewarding as a as a writer and as a lover of history. That people have that, that they've never heard of the of the Belmont uh, Mansion or the Belmead Plantation. Mm-hmm. So they they make sojourns. Reader reader sojourns is fact, I'll often meet um, 10, 20, sometimes thirty women who have come from on a girls' weekend out from somewhere, and I'll meet them at the mansion at ten o'clock on a Saturday morning, and then and we'll we'll tour the mansion. But both of the mansions now um, have set up what we call the the novel tour meaning okay. if you know um, say, say for Bellmead, if if, if you've read the Bellmead, uh novel then they will um, you just call and say I want that I want that tour and they'll give you the regular tour but they'll also give you an extra 15 or 20 minutes of some behind the scenes um, okay. uh, like the old Harding Cabin and there's a certain portion of the mansion that is offices um, that are offices now but they were used at that time they're used in the novel so readers love that kind of stuff sure. and I love that that they love going to those places, keeping history alive. It's I, great. My
1: wife dragged me up to Prince Edward Island
0: a number oh, of years ago. Yeah.
1: They had grown up with the Anna Green Gables books and, mm-hmm. and uh, VHSs. Oh, yeah. And uh, so we go to this place, and, we go, and I've never read it. I've watched mm-hmm. a couple of the episodes, mm-hmm. and I go, wait a minute. This is all fiction.
0: We're kindred there's spirits. There's no, there's not
1: even <laughs> one historical fact here. The place is a fake. <laughs>
0: yeah, it's fake. It is. you're like, wait, where's is, where's is the statue of Anne? <laughs> uh,
1: totally, totally. It, she didn't live in that room. No. Yeah. So, so now we're talking about Bell Mead and Belmont as yeah. real mansions. Mm-hmm. These are real lives. Um, bring in your perspective on the spiritual aspects of this. What? So these are great stories about people. Oh, by the way, mm-hmm. or
0: and and you know, for me. Um, they they are spiritual journeys and and i write Um, whenever I write, it's a, it's a form of worship. Um, That is a form of Mm -hmm. my worship. You know, worship is not just Sunday morning as, as, as we all know. Um, Worship is everything we do. And um, writing is most definitely a form of worship for me. And God, as I'm writing, he takes me on these journeys. And um, my husband will often come (laughs) into the office or whatever. He'll, he'll knock on the door and open up and he'll start to ask a question and I'll, you know, you're either very intense or sometimes you're crying. These characters, these journeys are very real to me. And for the Belmont, for the first Belmont um, Mansion novel, um, A Lasting Impression, that was all about authenticity. And Mm -hmm. all of my novels have started from a question that I'm wrestling with. All, all but one. In my very first one, I dreamed the opening sequence, as is, as is in yeah that opening sequence in um, Rekindled. But all the others have come from um, a question I'm dealing with, um, or a struggle in my in my faith walk. And a lasting impression really explores the question of authenticity. What does it mean to be authentic in your faith? Authentic with others, um, authentic with the Lord, and authentic with yourself. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? And then, you know, as a novelist, you take that and then you really need to juxtaposit with the actual history, and Adelicia Acklin was the richest woman in America in the 1860s. A lot of people don't know that, mm-hmm. um, but that is, a, that is a fact. And she loved everything, um, all, all of the art, but she loved original things. Hmm. So then I thought, okay, I mean, just as a novelist, it, you play the what if question. What if then, and this this struggle of authenticity was going on in my life and in just, just within myself, and I thought, all right, what if you have a forger who suddenly finds her way Right. into Adalicia's house. And so that's, to me, kind of how the spiritual journey and the fiction, um, and then God just weaves it in ways that I, mm. you know, I, I wish I could be more of a plotter, as we call a mm-hmm. plotter. Um, and I've tried, but I really, um, I tell writers, you know, for me, I know, just picture we're in a car at night and, and, and your lights are on and I can see about as far from here as there. Now, I always know my destination, always. Whenever I've started any book, I know exactly you where I'm going to end mind. up, but mm. I do not necessarily know how, how I'm going to get there, which keeps, honestly, keeps the writing fresh and keeps me mm. um, wanting to keep writing because I think if I knew everything, every point along the way, I think for me, it would might get a little... Old
1: fill in the blank. A boring, um, yeah. Jerry Jenkins, who's a, a dear friend, oh, yeah. <laughs> often says he writes to deadline. Yes. <laughs> and he says he puts himself in a chair and he writes so many pages yeah. to Friday before he goes home. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, and it seems there are. Well, what would you say? What's your experience? Do you find more writers who are kind of, you know, they get in this creative mode and they just go crazy or do they write to deadline?
0: I think we probably, if you are a contracted author, I think you write to deadline. Mm-hmm. I think you have to. You, you, you can't wait until the muse strikes um, mm-hmm. because I'll, I am a great procrastinator. I can hmm. procrastinate simply because you'll think, okay, and, and you kind of fool yourself into thinking, I'll think about the stories I'm doing this. and we'll, But really, you just need to get your butt in the chair mm-hmm. <laughs> and mm-hmm. just write. And writing, having written, is the greatest thing ever. writing. Is, is just brutal. flat work. It's and brutal. it's not, and mm-hmm. it's not fun. A lot of people just think, don't but there, you just but there
1: are love times, it? There are, times, there are moments yeah. when, when you're it in, is just it's coming euphoric. together mm-hmm.
0: there, there, Yeah. There, there, there are those epiphany moments when everything comes together and the stars align mm-hmm. and it is just, and those are the moments that honestly just make, makes it all worth it. And then the moments, once the book gets out, readers, you know, they will connect with yes, the I want to come back
1: to your feedback, but let's mm-hmm. talk a little bit about the artist in you and in others, uh, mm-hmm. because there seems to be that. I love the way you describe it, that muse, but it's a lot of hard work. Mm-hmm. And whether mm-hmm. you're a songwriter, whether you're a lyricist, mm-hmm. whether you're an author mm-hmm. or writing a biography that's based purely on fact and, mm-hmm. and not historical fiction or not mm-hmm. a fictitious approach. It's it's work.
0: It is. It is work, and it's just um, and it's something that you just have to really be determined to do. You have to be a self motivator, Um, even on deadline. You you've just got to keep your keep it in the chair and. Um, have a set amount of of words per day if that's if that's how you work or scenes or whatever it is um, and just really and really stay at it um, there's there's really no other way around that now you can do things that will inspire you i mean sometimes all right when i was first starting out i used to think okay I'm gonna sit here until I get it done if i've sat there for 20 or 30 minutes and i am literally stuck mm-hmm. i get up and move Take a break. Mm-hmm. i get up and move um, i don't start i don't start cleaning i'll I'll tend to just go, I'll go up on the treadmill and just even for 15 or 20 minutes and walking to, or go outside if it's nice. Movement helps. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Washing dishes or or driving a car. Things just, I don't know what it is. It it it's, your, yeah, yeah, it does. Mm-hmm. It clears that. It clears the block and then it'll come. And then reading history, um, going back and just reading, reading accounts, reading autobiographies um, or biographies. It's just, yeah, it's wonderful.
1: I think that's the, hardest part of any budding actor, artist, writer is that they see a romantic end out there. It'd be great oh. to be a writer. Yeah. <laughs> It'd be great to be a musician or a songwriter. But they don't realize that there are very few that uh it's the first time a wonder hit, you know, it's it's a lot of labor and a lot of sweat and a lot on the floor.
0: It is and it's a lot of um it's a lot of self doubt and this mm. is coming from like I said, I could coordinate conferences. I'm very confident in that part of my life, but writing often has me not so Do you do you
1: see a difference between uh, someone criticizing an event you organized versus criticizing a book you wrote?
0: Oh, it's far. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's a lot harder. That that book a piece is piece of you. That book is far more personal. Yeah. And I'm a little bit different than some of my other author buddies. We were um, speaking in West Virginia not long ago and um, we were on a panel and they said, you know, is the book your baby? And I said, you know, I've got two babies. Mm. Books are not my babies. Books are products. And I know that from the very start, but they're in their products of my heart. Um, but still, they are a product that is going to be sold. It is a commodity. <laughs> and the next two writers got up behind me and said, no, they're my babies. <laughs> I was like, oh, are you kidding? You're killing me. You are killing me. Um, so, But I do, yeah, it is much harder to have a book criticized. However, Michael, I'll i will be honest, its um, it's getting... <laughs> He's gotten less so as the more novels you write, and I don't ever, I stopped reading reviews a long time ago. I don't read my reviews online. If anybody sends me, I read every, you know, reader letter, you know, everything that comes directly to me, but I don't go out to Amazon and read all the reviews. However, my husband Joe does. (laughs) And he will he will sometimes give me a really great one, or he'll sometimes give me like this one that is just horrible. It's just horrible. <laughs> so it becomes and funny. It's great, yeah. It becomes, yeah, it yeah, becomes yeah, humor because yeah. Yeah. everybody has an opinion. Everybody does. Yes. But you really, I decided long ago that I want to write for an audience of one. I want to write mm-hmm. for him, period and do my best and you know you take that constructive criticism when it comes from your editors um, but then you just you really have to give the best with where you are right then and then you need to let it go mm-hmm. and know that if you had three more years to work on this novel yeah it might be better but you need to do it at some it, point get it done. Stop. Yeah, yeah and then yeah. do the next one and learn and grow
1: from writing as an author in your own experience as well obviously what one in three women in your audience have probably been abused mm-hmm. in some fashion mm-hmm. or form as, as, a, as mm-hmm. a child or mm-hmm. a young girl. Mm -hmm. Um, Obviously, that's part of your story as well as many women's stories. Uh, That's got to fit in there somewhere.
0: It does. It does, and actually, um, I kind of didn't see it coming when I was writing my second novel, Revealed. Revealed is about um, it's a reformed prostitute story, and um, I thought through all of my years that I had um, I had dealt with a lot of that stuff, and I and I had in a in a in a sense. But one thing I've learned is that when that impacts your life. It really becomes part of who you, it's part of who you are. Mm-hmm. Um, just like, you know, you have a scar and you carry, you know, you cut your hand and you carry the scar until we get those new heavenly bodies. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing with things here. You mm-hmm. still remember the incidents, you still, um, but God uses those to heal others. And that's, that's the main thing is I got a ton of reader mail After that book revealed, um, saying, you know, you never say that you were in the book, but the way that you describe scenes from the emotional, from the heroine, from the, you know, from the female protagonist point of view, you had to have been. And that opened a dialogue there, um. That you know, I, I just didn't realize it was that transparent, but apparently, wow. you know, but apparently it was, and I'm really glad that it was, you know, for those people, and we were able to dialogue on that, and I've spoken on that several, several times, but yeah, that's um that's something unfortunately that is extremely prevalent. Um,
1: what what's the difference, uh, Tamara, between uh and it's not just specifically women who've been hurt, mm-hmm. but people who've gone through some devastating injuries, some deep scars, in your estimation the difference between those who process through it and you never get over it, but Mm-mm. you heal to a measure and you live mm-hmm. as opposed to those who don't.
0: Mm. <laughs> wow. Well, that's a, that's a big question. Um, I think, I think the main thing has got to be, um, and there's just one, one word that comes in my life is surrender. Um, and to you've really got to um, accept the sovereignty of God. Nothing filters into my life that doesn't first filter through the loving hands of my heavenly mm-hmm. father. Nothing touches my life that doesn't first filter through his hands. Um, he's either sovereign or he's not. Mm-hmm. He knew and that man walked into the bedroom repeatedly, God saw it. God allowed it. Mm-hmm. And you look at the painful stuff that goes on with kids nowadays and you think, If I were God, (laughs) I would, I would, yeah, I would, I would stop it. So, but you just, um, so I think it's the surrender to Mm -hmm. God's sovereignty and knowing that it's not just this pathetic surrender of, okay, this happened and now, but knowing that it's kind of like, remember in the Old Testament, the uh, hate with which he hated her was greater than the the love. Yes, Uh the rape of Tamar was greater than the love with which he had loved her. And the, the pain that comes from the experience the joy on the other side of God's mm-hmm. healing. And then not not just that healing is is good, but what is really the most is the healing that then that pain brings healing to others. Um, that is the, that's the greatest joy. Honestly, when I think of that part of my life, I think those are the, that's the greatest joy is helping others come, come to healing. Mm-hmm. And it's really just a, for me it's a it's a surrender to god's sovereignty and realizing there is really bad stuff that happens in this life yeah. And, you know, we're promised trouble in this life. Yeah, um, Jesus says that, but take heart. I've overcome the world, but we're promised. And we're promised reading Matthew the other day w- with my BSF group, um, Bible Study Fellowship, every Wednesday, you know, we are we are promised, you know, when Jesus says, if you give up anything in, in this life, I'll, you know, you'll get it back a hundredfold. But look over in Mark in that same passage, two little words, and persecution. Mm. You know, you'll get all this and persecution. So to think that we will get... To think that we should get through this life unscathed and everything. That's just, this world is that's not our That's a romance home. novel. That, now, that, that's a secular, <laughs> yeah, romance, yeah, that's a novel. secular <laughs> romance novel. That's a secular romance novel. That everything has a happy ending and everybody's, you know, great. It's just, but part of that is our, um, that's the refinement. That's the, yeah. um, that's where we're going to have a faith that shines like gold.
1: We're a fallen people in a fallen context waiting someone to restore And it takes a long time to learn that lesson. Mm -hmm. We have uh, had the pleasure of having Tamara Alexander on broadcast today. You can find out more about her at TamaraAlexander.com. You can see all of her books online. They've got some fabulous YouTube clips, little stories behind the stories. I encourage you to visit there. Tamara, thanks for coming by today.
0: Thank you so much for having me. Thanks.
1: Hope you'll join us on the next broadcast. This is Michael Easley in Context.
0: If you have questions or comments, please let us know at michaelincontext.com.